One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys. um, I thought tonight what we would do is that we would start talking uh, really about what happened last week. That was pretty wild last week, huh? Unexplainable. Anybody walk away undone in the Holy Ghost last week? Amen. Amen. That was wild, right? Those are the nights I dream about. And um, I just, I pray that, uh, you know, you, would, you guys would carry that out, out into the streets, right? And so I'm going to start by um, just asking the same question I asked last week um, and talking a little bit about trying to make sense out of what the Lord was doing last week, okay? So I'm going to ask you the question, are you in control of the Holy Spirit are you, are, is, is it your mind? Is it your will? Whatever you want to do. And oh yeah, I got the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's my decision. Or is it you listening to the Holy Spirit and the supernatural is released through you, right? Right? The second one, right? It's you seeking the Holy Spirit and letting the wind blow you throughout the earth, right? That's what Jesus said. If you were born again, you would be moved by the wind, right? Wind driven. And so, um, you know, last week was just crazy, just supernatural in many different ways, right? The guy that came uh, from Wisconsin, Rex. Rex got wrecked, man. His two kids got wrecked. I mean, think about it. The guy drove nine hours simply to come get filled with the Holy Spirit because he wanted the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wanted to be wind-driven, right? He had this revelation that where he was at in life um, although he was in church all his life, he really didn't know like a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I literally have talked to Rex every day. That's no joke. Every day since, since he left on Saturday night, I talked to him Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He texted me this morning, man. He's asking me questions. This, this uh, praying in the Holy Spirit, I mean, he goes, I shake, I cry, I feel the presence of the Lord. I'm like, yeah, man, that's the tangible touch of the Lord. Amen? Right. And so Rex goes, hey, my son in the Marine Corps, he's listening to the Charisma, you know, recordings you have on Charisma. Um, I got people. We're planning another trip to come to Toledo, Ohio, right? So that's, that's kind of wild. And so um, just, you know, when the Lord starts b- breathing on a fire, right? You never know how, how it's going to build and grow and just take off. Um, but can you feel them? Can you, can you feel the wind of the Lord blowing, right? It, you know, last week was just not some unforeseen circumstance that just, you know, it just, it just happened, the Lord had that planned, okay? And it was connected. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how all that works out with respect to the Lord actually having a plan that the wind would blow, right, in, in the cities where, where we live. Right, Barb? The wind, is, the wind is destined to blow in the cities. And so, you know, I want to, I want to introduce, introduce a concept tonight, uh, transfiguration, okay? 
How many of you know that Rex was transfigured last week, right? Ashley was transfigured. Anna. Anna had, Anna had the smile plastered on her face. Every time I looked at her, she couldn't, she couldn't even move, right? And so, you know, that's a supernatural work of the Spirit. But um, I want to talk to you about the significance about being invited to be engaged in the presence of the Lord. You know, way back with the Israelites, when Moses was led to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, um, you know, when Moses went up the mountain to get the original Ten Commandments, the original Ten Commandments really had two sides. It had a written side on paper, but it had a backside of, of the, the uh, sapphire stone that was reflective. It was spiritual. It was supposed to have a meaning of, of, of what is written on paper, but an engagement face to face. And so when Moses came down the first time, he came down with an intent to invite. The Lord said, I want you to bring the nation up. And what did they do? They refused, right? And so when, the, when Moses went up himself the second time, he came back down with nothing but words on stone, okay? And the words on stone was actually an act of grace to reveal, to, to, it, it, was a, it was a way in which the reader could have a revelation of, oh my goodness, I need a savior. I need to go up that mountain. I need to have the encounter because I can't change myself. I can't stop sin. I can't break sin. I can't be undone um, by myself. I actually have to respond to the invitation to ascend the mountain. Okay. You know, there's a second invitation. So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. He takes them up the mountain right? And when he gets him, gets him up the mountain, it says that suddenly Jesus was transfigured before their eyes. It says that um, his clothes, this is Mark chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. It says that his clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer or earth man can whiten them. So what happened is Jesus ascended the mountain. He was demonstrating the connection with the presence of the Lord and he was no longer a natural man. He was revealing himself as a spiritual man, right? The sp- every one of you have, have your uh, body, soul, and spirit. And if you think that you are a spirit locked in a body, you're missing it. You're actually supposed to have an encounter with the Lord to where, just like Jesus was transfigured on that mountain, when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you are transfigured here on earth, right? Anna, were you, were you transfigured last week? Yeah. You were, was Rex transfigured last week? I mean, the whole place is overcome by the presence of the Lord. You couldn't stop laughing. The joy of the Lord is poured out, transfigured, right? And so the concept of transfigured is not just a, a, a happenstance. Well, that's Jesus. No, that's actually, that's metaphorically the picture of what happens to you when you encounter the Holy Spirit, right? And so um, going on with uh, chapter 9, verse 7, it says that the cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I've had um, a number of people in here question about that. I talked last week about the Lego block. And so I want to just spend a few minutes talking about the significance of this. Jesus is talking about a picture. He ascends up the mountain. He takes people with him. The cloud of heaven symbolizing the presence of the Lord comes upon those on the mountain. 
and the voice out of heaven speaks and there's a transfiguration. There's a changing. You become a spiritual being in the hearing of the voice. And so the word saying here, um, the voice came out of the cloud saying, the word saying there is the word, the Greek word lego. Okay? When you get a prophecy, that's a lego. That's, a, that's the Greek word lego, right? The, the symbolism of, the, of the, using the word lego, it's a building block. Okay? If you have a dream, that's, that's considered a, a lego, right? You have three dreams in a row about a subject, that's the building of something. One Lego block connects to another Lego block, connects to another Lego block. Pretty soon, when you dedicate your life around hearing the voice, you're ascending the mountain to hear the voice. The Lego blocks are built upon each other, and suddenly you are transfigured. Suddenly you begin to shine. Suddenly you begin, you are able to do something supernaturally that you couldn't do before, right? Okay, and so this is a pretty... This is actually a very foundational element of the relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? And so the first question is, will you respond to the invitation? Will you? Will you actually say, you know what? I'm getting up tomorrow morning and I'm going to ascend that mountain because I know the Lord is going to overshadow me like he overshadowed Mary and there's going to be a, a voice come out of heaven that I know he's going to transfigure me. He's going to change me. He's going to do something to me that I could not do myself, right? And you know, religion, dead religion is about people reading scripture, but trying to do it themselves without the Holy Spirit. Not possible. The bird is still in a cage. Oh yeah, I got the Holy Spirit, but the bird, the dove is all caged up. He's not allowed to fly. The wind doesn't blow and there's no transfiguration of the people, right? And so, you know, this is, this, is, uh, this is the building block concept is something you, you, you have to get in your spirit because it's the essence of how you grow as a believer. In five years from now, what you are is connected to your relational expectation of ascension up, up that mountain and how you connect to the Lord speaking to you, knowing that he has more to say to you, okay? In the desert, when Jesus was in the desert facing the devil, Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word, uh, word there is the Greek word rhema, okay? Guess what the foundational word of rhema is? It's lego. Okay, so if th- this is the analogy. If you, if you get a prophetic word or you have a dream, you have a vision from the Lord, Okay, that's, that's a building block. You get three in a row about a topic or a subject or an identity that the Lord is revealing in you. That becomes rhema. It becomes more, a little more mature. It's a, it's, it's a concept. It's, the Lord is actually building you. You've went from hearing him one time to hearing him multiple times, and he's actually starting to put the blocks together. That's a, that's a now word. That is a now transfiguration of the people that hear it. Right? Amen? And so, say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm setting my heart to hear your voice. I'm ascending the mountain, and I'm expecting you to do to me what you did to Jesus. Speak to my heart and reveal to me what I am that I would become 
what the books have written of me in heaven. Let me shine like the sun on earth. Hallelujah. All right, so you just gave the potter a command. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, so the example of hearing, um, you know, last week was not by happen chance. It wasn't like it just you know, voila, we started to praise and it just, it just happened. The, the, su- the supernatural was the plan of the Lord, okay? The, the things that happened were triggered. I gave, you, I gave you the vision, right? I gave you the dream that the Lord gave me about the dove needing to come out of the birdcage, right? The heart of the Lord is that we, the people, don't try to falsely present that, oh yeah, we have the dove, but we have him chained, we have him caged, we have blinders on, and if he does get out of the cage, we put a choker collar on him with a dog leash, and we don't let him fly because we got his wings clipped just in case. You know what, you know what that's a symbol of? That's a symbol of um, don't let the voice of God be spoken in the group. Don't, don't let the wind go because you might not have control of the situation did we have control of last week's situation? How many of you would say that that was actually out of control? I have to admit, that was out of control. But it all stemmed out of the dream of the Lord. I spoke to you about what the Lord showed me in the dream. How did he confirm his word? How did he, right? Right? Okay, so Ashley, we call Ashley up. I give her the prophecy about the Lord walking past thousands of people to get to Ashley, and he, he stops in front of her because her eyes are reflective of his eyes burning for her. They, they're, they're meeting eye to eye, right? She starts to laugh. She starts laying hands on people, and what happens to you? Impartation came. Okay, so from one dream to a vision to one person then imparting, what happened to Peter, Right? <laughs> Peter, Peter moving around and, and Peter praying for people, receive the Holy Spirit. What, what, what happened to Anna, right? After, after she got done doing this and she laid, she laid her hands on people, right? There was, there was literally a spiritual impartation. It wasn't, it was like hot butter, right? It was, it was like, you, how would you describe it? it? It literally, you could feel it. You could feel the anointing, the presence of God coming down over you, Right? That's, that's not like something that any of us have the ability to do on our own. That was supernatural. That was a move of the Spirit. So are you in, are you in the midst of a move of the Spirit? Yeah. Amen. Do you think the Lord is, is trying to impart something to you? Do you believe that He's transfiguring you? He is literally doing heart surgery on you spiritually. He's actually with a scalpel cutting off all of this dead flesh, all of these limitations, all these things that you can't, and all these self-works, this religious stuff, and it's as simple as you receiving the impartation, right? Say this, say, Holy Ghost, Ghost. I'm opening my heart heart. to receive from you. you. Impart Impart. the Lego blocks. Impart the prophecies. Impart the presence of the Lord upon my heart. Transfigure me that I would become what you've called me to become. All right, so this process 
is really about connect, connection to the Spirit, okay? Paul said this in Romans 1.11. You know the story of Paul. Paul actually killed Christians. He had the Bible memorized, and he was functioning out of self-righteousness to such a degree that he thought he was doing a great work for the Lord. He's hunting down Christians, right? He's, he's slaying, he's literally slaying Christians in the name of the Lord, That's a little twisted, right? Okay. And so Paul is saying you are not following the letter. You are not following the letter of the law. You are not doing exactly what the law says. And Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus. And Paul is... Paul. You know what happened last week? That's what happened to Paul. Oh my gosh. Right, Anna? Paul was so undone in the Holy Ghost, he saw a light, scales are on his eyes. Three days later, a prophet comes and says, I saw you in a vision, lays his hand on him. Paul is transformed, and he goes into the world, and he's laying hands on people. He says, I, come, I pray to come to you that I may impart something to you, Right? I want to impart heaven to you. I want to prophesy over you. I want to release upon you the presence of the Lord that so transformed me. Amen? That's what happens when you dwell in the presence of the Almighty. That's why your prayer life is the centerpiece of you and your ability to fulfill the call on your life. Do you know that everyone you have a call in your life? Look to the person beside you and say, the Lord is awakening your calling. Because there are thousands of people people waiting waiting for you to impart the Holy Spirit. Spirit. (laughs) I can give you amen? All right, Barb, amen. All right, so I can can give you hundreds of stories, man, um, of impartation. I was was in my, we we had a group on Friday nights, um, and the Lord, the Lord, was talking to me in, in the weeks and months prior about angels, okay? And in dreams and in visions, he would come to me and he would introduce me to angels, tell me their name, he would tell me what they do. What, if, if I see this angel come, this is what's going to happen, okay? And that may sound a little far-fetched and out there, but I'm telling you, um, that's what happens when your prayer life uh, and you guys have heard me, you've, you've heard me talk. I mean, I've spent hours in the presence of the Lord every day of my life, not because I have to, but because I'm in love. I, I would prefer to look like Anna every day of my life because I was undone in the Holy Ghost than anything else. It's, it's the most awesome favorite thing there is in my life is the presence of the Lord and hear, hearing his voice. Okay. So the Lord had been prepping me about angels. And so I'm in this group about this size, and uh, I start to prophesy. And the vision that I was prophesying was that I saw an angel come into the room. He was carrying a vial of oil, and it had the word deliverance on it. And I saw the angel sprinkling the oil all over the people. And as the words came out of my mouth, oil literally appeared on my face and started running down and dripping down. And you may say, that's crazy. Okay, was it crazy last week that you could not stand up? You were so under the presence of the Lord. What's crazier? It's the same thing. Is the oil crazier? Uh, Well, 
Just say this, Marie. Lord, I want the oil to run down my face. Amen? That's a, it might be a little crazier, but in, my, in the eyes of the Lord, what he did last week to you is just as wild as oil appearing and running down my face. I mean, you had people in here that could not stand up. Could not stand up, laughing so hard, laughing hysterically, you could not stop. That, and it wasn't you because everybody else was laughing. It was the presence. It was the joy of the Lord, right? It was supernatural. Absolutely um, out of human design or desire, it was actually the Lord confirming himself to you, right? And so where else, where else did that happen? In the... In the um, when, on Pentecost, right? On Pentecost, in the outpouring, when the wind was allowed to blow, when you had 120 people in the upper room and they were crying out to the Lord and the wind came, right? It says they prayed in tongues, they prophesied because they, they, the wind came, equipped them with supernatural language. They could see the vision of the Lord. They prophesied the word of the Lord, okay? And then they started to get intoxicated, what do you mean intoxicated? Well, what happened to you guys last week? You literally could not stop talking. Peter has to stand up and say, no, 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 this is that. This is what was prophesied in the book of Joel, right? You will dream dreams. You will have the vision of the Lord and you will prophesy. And he goes on and says, they are not drunk as you suppose, but they are intoxicated with the Holy Ghost, they're undone with the Holy Ghost. They actually ascended the mountain and they're literally transfigured before your eyes. <gasps> they're all, can you picture the whole city looking like Anna? <gasps> oh my goodness, right? People laughing hysterically. And Peter's having to explain, oh, this is the Holy Ghost, baby. <laughs> Woo, this is the Holy Ghost. Amen, amen. Come on, say this, say, say Holy Ghost. I can't, live I can't live without an intoxicating impact, an intoxicating impact. From, your touch. from your touch. Send the wind. Send the wind. Intoxicate, my Intoxicate my heart. Overcome my worldly limitations. My worldly limitations. Every heart aspect of my heart. Of my heart. I give you permission, Holy Spirit. You permission, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Blow on me. Blow on me, Holy Ghost. Doesn't that feel good? <laughs> All right, I get to get this question out. Is it, is it possible? <laughs> is it possible to repent without a spiritual impartation? All right, you just went from laughing to thinking. How do you? Hmm. <laughs> All right. Is it possible to repent without a spiritual impartation? All right, I'm going to give you a clue. No. <laughs> All right, let's think about this. They refused to ascend. They refused to go up the mountain. They refused to be transfigured. So the Lord gives them words on paper. That's what the book of Romans says. I give you my word, it is holy, it is a reflective mirror of the hardness of your heart that you would fall on your face and cry out, I need my God. I need my Savior. Jesus, I need my God. I need you. 
He's, he's, he's concerned about the heart. He's concerned about your heart. Not if you know what it says. He's concerned it, 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 that you know your heart and that you need to cry out. You need to actually run up that mountain with all your heart. Right? They were convicted. It's possible to be convicted. There's a lot of people in America that run to an altar. They're convicted, but they're not transfigured. Because they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't offered to them. They came. They put their hand up because they were convicted, but they were never transfigured. Was Peter transfigured on the night of the crucifixion? He hung around Jesus all the time. But he wasn't willing to give his life until the wind blew on the day of Pentecost and he stood up in front of those who weeks earlier chanted, crucify, crucify, crucify. And Peter actually says, this is that. And the whole city begins to be undone in the Holy Ghost. He gave his life because the wind came. He was transfigured, Pete, right? He was transfigured by the wind. And you say, well, okay, well, where's that in Scripture? Well, let's go, to, let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 3 to 6. Paul's going into the region of Ephesus. And I'm just going to read this to you. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? He ran into 12 disciples. And he's asking them a question because in conversation, they say, oh, yeah, we know John. We, we, we believe that there's a Savior coming. That's what, that's what they answered, okay? He, Paul says, into what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. I was convicted. I need a Savior, right? I was convicted. I actually need to meet my Savior. My forefathers refused to meet him, but I'm convicted, Okay? So they went to the Jordan and they got baptized by John, but they had yet to be baptized by Jesus. So let's, let's get to this. Then Paul said to them, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. So Paul, Paul was saying, Paul was saying that... Um, Paul was saying that you have been convicted by the mirror, by, by the letter of the law, by the, by the law of Moses, but you've not yet been transfigured. When they heard this, it says they were baptized in the name of who? Jesus. Preach, my man. They were baptized into Jesus. And it says that the way they were baptized into Jesus, it says that Paul laid hands on them. Right. And what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. It came upon them. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit erupted out of them. It was an evidence of transfiguration. It was an evidence of a new birthing. It was an evidence that something supernatural, they are no longer just convicted. They are a doorway. They are what releases. They have the ability to release the Spirit. Right. So they're baptized into Jesus. Jesus transforms by the Spirit, okay? You're convicted by the letter. You're transfigured by the Spirit because the Spirit speaks. The Spirit is what wanted them to come up the mountain so that they would all be transfigured, but the sin in their heart wouldn't let them. So the conviction comes when you realize you need a Savior, right? It's not about doing something bad. It's not about the act of sin. It's actually about the disconnection from the one who has the power to transform you. 
to transfigure you, to change you, to make you supernatural. Amen? Say this. Say, transfigure me, Holy Ghost. That's not loud enough, guys. Say it with me. Holy Ghost, transfigure me. I want to hear you speak to my heart. Make me a new creature. Make me a new creature. Transfigure me. And make me who you designated me to be. Amen. <laughs> that feels pretty good, doesn't it? You see, a heart cry, a heart cry is connected to a need. There's a, there's a lot of people that go to church and they live under a conviction, but they don't live under a desire, a need, a recognition, a heart cry, right? And that's, that's what's wrong with a lot of our churches. You come in, you go through the motions, it's all predictable, it's routine, you know what's going to happen exactly 20 minutes from now because it's scripted out, the wind's not blowing. The voice isn't allowed to overshadow the people. The voice isn't allowed to have his way and do heart surgery if it's healing, if it's deliverance, if it's prophecy, right? Right? Amen? The voice of the Lord is a sword, right? It's a double-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit. It actually severs you. It actually separates you. The, the prophetic word, this Jesus Christ. What, what's Revelation 19 say? It, say? it says that Jesus Christ is the spirit of what? Prophecy. And so the spirit, the, the sword actually severs. It is, it is actually what separates you from being earthbound transfiguring you into being heaven-bound. Preach, girl! My God, I got a preacher in the house. Amen? So say this. Say, Spirit of Prophecy. I need you. This isn't a request. This is a need. Spirit of Prophecy. Sever my soul. From, from, from my body. Separate me from my earth suit. Connect me to who I am in Christ and reveal me on earth as supernatural. All right, amen. So let's just talk about this dream for a few minutes because I think there's more the Lord wants to unpack in this dream, okay? In this dream that I shared last week, I'll, I'll share it again. The Lord Jesus met me um, outside of a church. He opens the church door, and the church is filled, the, the congregation. He lets me see the congregation, um, and I'm looking. I'm in shock. There's demons crawling all over the people, okay? He walks me up to the front of the church, and the pastor has a birdcage with a dove in it. You know what the dove represents, right? The Holy Ghost, right? The dove the dove is what descended on Jesus coming out of heaven, and immediately he started his supernatural ministry. He was transfigured, okay? And so in the dream, I'm, I'm watching, and I'm, I'm watching the, the pastor present the Holy Spirit, but the, the dove was in the cage. It had a clip on its wing. It was chained to the cage. So if the door opened, it literally couldn't fly out. And he had a, a young girl he called out of the audience that was holding a dog collar with a chain on it. 
and I saw him get, get the dove out. They put the chain on it. They presented it to the people, but the dove was still chained. And immediately I had this anguish, this anger come over me like that's a misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so Jesus, um, after some prayer in, in the midst of this dream, Jesus ripped the clothes off of the pastor and he put them on me. And immediately um, I held my hand out and the dove was hopped on my hand, unchained, uncaged, wings no longer clipped, able to see. And the dove started to, to, to fly. Okay, the dove started to take flight. And the dove landed in the pulpit at the front of the church. And the wings, immediately the dove was transformed. It was changed. It was transfigured into an eagle. And the eagle started to screech. And the wind started to go over the people and blow the demonic powers off the people. Okay? When the, when the eagle was done flapping its wings and the wind um, had been swirling in the building, the, the eagle then got off the pulpit and went down the center aisle. And he was transformed into a man, okay? The man started touching the people and the dirty clothes that were on the people, suddenly they were given new clothes. The people were transfigured by the man. The eagle transfigured them. He had a piece of it. The the man had a piece. He changed their clothes. The man continued to walk down the, the, the middle aisle and when he got to the back, he transformed into a lion, the lion started to roar, and when the lion started to roar, the people started to pray in the Holy Ghost. They started to form orderly lines. They started to form columns like they were aligned to an army and a calling. Okay? When the, when the lion started to walk back up, he turned into an ox. And the ox immediately had this yoke connected to him, and the people got out of the pews, got into the yoke, and the walls, all four walls fell down, and the ox took the people to the nations. Okay? And the Lord said something to me. He said, unless um, you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. And um, seeing the kingdom is about the reality of it all starts with the dove being allowed to fly freely in the house of God. Okay? If, you, if the dove is chained, if the dove is limited, if the dove is caged, right? There is a, there's a limitation on the house. There's a limitation on the people. There's a limitation on the purpose. There's a limitation on the calling. There's a limitation on the impact. There's a limitation on the community who's crying out for a need for the people that are inside that are supposed to be the army, right? And so the eagle, the man, the ox, and the lion are the, if, if, from a scriptural reference, uh, Ezekiel, John, and, and a few of the other, of the other prophets When they were taken to heaven, they saw the four faces around the throne. These guys are the transfigured ones. They're the ones who see God face to face. They're the one who has in their heart, they're going to ascend, okay? And I don't want to get into the gifts of Jesus. We got into that last week. Um, But it's connected to the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, um, and the apostle. That, that's what the four creatures represent. It's how a church is truly transformed. Okay? But the point is this. In your own personal life, is 30% good enough? Come on, that's, that's getting there. How about 50? How about you let the birdcage open 
The dove can poke his head out, but he's still chained, but at least he gets his head out the door. He's, pe- he's allowed to peek around. Okay, how about you get him out with a collar and a chain on, but he's, at least he's presented to the people like it's the real deal, but is, is chain still good enough? What's good enough? 100%? You see, a heart recognizing that ascension is what transforms, releases the voice of God, and actually releases the mission of the individual, the mission of the church body, the mission of how we're going to transform this city is connected to you individually being subject to the wind and you coming together as a body circling around How's the wind blowing today, right? Last week we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said, I pray uh, that you would receive all the spiritual gifts that you would not be ignorant. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. I pray that you receive the gifts. The word, the word spiritual gifts there is the word pneumaticos. You know what that means? That's the wind. That's the flow of the Holy Spirit. That's the free, free flow of the wind of God actually blowing in the house, having the ability to transform individual by individual by individual, right? Because the Lord is speaking. There's impartation, right? So he, he ends the sentence. He says, do not be ignorant. Wait a minute, what? Did you just call me stupid? Did you just call me stupid, Ben? Did, did Paul call... Did Paul call me the reader stupid if I actually don't receive the, or expect in the free flow of the Holy Ghost? Wait a minute. That's, what, that's not my words. That's the words of the Holy Ghost. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. So if you want to remain ignorant, refuse the wind of the Holy Ghost. Eh? Is that, how, how do you look at it? How, how do you look at that scripture? Do not be ignorant. I'm giving you the gemstone. I'm giving you the key, the golden key. I'm giving you what you need. I'm giving you all. I'm giving you the answer. And it's as simple as you ascending and positioning your heart for the wind to blow in your life. Because when the wind blows, when the, when the cloud comes over you, the presence of God, and He speaks you are transfigured. You can't help be, but be transfigured if you have a heart that's searching after him. He's going to speak in your life. It's not if. I hear people all the time, they say, yeah, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I just, you know, I, I prayed in tongues like two or three times and I just stopped. I didn't know what it was. It scared me, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is he gives you that prayer language right? We, we talked about this months ago. He gives you that prayer language because it's like a baby crying out for the voice of God to speak. That's, that's what the power of, of praying in the Spirit is. Isaiah 28, verse 9 to 11, he says, to whom will I teach? Is it reading scripture upon scripture, line upon line? Is it somebody up in front of the church repeating it? This is the words of the Lord. Isaiah 28, verse 9 to 11. And the Lord answers, no, I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. Wait a minute, that's crazy. Okay, so he expects you to come to the mountain, get engaged, overcome by the Holy Spirit one time. 
And he gives you enough to get hungry to chase after him. And so you position your life to ascend that mountain every day of your life. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, he promises to build you Lego block after Lego block after Lego block after Lego block, right? And pretty soon after three years, Pete comes in the door and you can't even recognize Pete. Pete's walking with with this different confidence. He's got this supernatural discernment ability now. He's got this preaching gift that just came out of nowhere. Didn't even know he was a preacher until we spent time in prayer. And the Lord put one block upon five blocks upon 20 blocks. And he was transfigured. Right? That's why, that's why he gives you a prayer language. So that you can ascend. See, a lot of people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the mistake they make is they put the bird back in the cage. It was a one-time event. It was a one-time happening. Oh, I was even undone in holy laughter once. But, you know, life gets, life gets a grip on me. I don't actually, you know, I just don't have that hunger to pray. What? what? We got to get you saved, dude. Wait, what do you mean? I went to the altar 15 years ago, and I, I go sit in church. Well, tell me about how you hear the voice of God speak to you. Tell me how he transfigures you. Right? Because the voice, you're depend- what are you depending on? Are you depending on what you were convicted of 15 years ago? Or are you connected to what the Lord is transfiguring you day by day by day? If I'd have stopped praying five years ago, I wouldn't be here. I would not have heard him go to Toledo. I would not have heard him go to India. You're going to speak in front of 6,000 pastors over four years. None of that would have happened if I'd have stopped praying. Because I would have refused to ascend and refused to depend on making sure that birdcage is open and that dove is able to fly freely in my life. Amen? So Acts 1.8 says this. And then we're going to start, start to, to pray and talk, see what happens here, see what the Lord wants to do. Acts 1.8, Behold, I will give you power that you shall be my witness. So what makes a witness? Is it, the guy, is it the guy repeating scripture after scripture? Or is, it, or is it the guy talking about Jesus? Or is it the guy introducing Jesus? It's the guy introducing Jesus. You know, you know how most people are confirmed that, oh my gosh, something happened, something changed in my life? Is when somebody gets a word of knowledge, somebody gets a vision, and they speak into somebody's life, and somehow, some way, that person, there's a spirit to spirit, it's, they bear witness. There's something supernatural. The dunamis power of heaven is reaching in. The sword of the Lord is actually doing something to that person that couldn't happen with, without it. It's, 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 a work of, it's a supernatural work of the Spirit. Amen? So what if, what if the Lord wanted you to be one of those four creatures that dwell around the throne? If you were supposed to be that eagle. So you center your life around making sure that dove is able to fly. The, the, listening to the dove and flowing, flowing with the wind of the dove. What if you're supposed to be the eagle? What if you're supposed to be the ox? What if you're supposed to be the man, the pastor teacher? What if you're supposed to be the apostle, the lion, who roars and gets the army in order and, and, order, and orderly gets the team praying and seeking the Lord as a team Instead of just coming as individuals and 
going about your business as soon as you leave the house? What if, what, what if, what if that's you? What if that is your gifting? What if that is your calling? What if, what if there is something supernatural and it's all dependent on the ox, the lion, the eagle, and the man? They're looking at the face of God, the mirror. Paul said this in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3. We all look at you as in a mirror and we are changed from glory to glory, right? So which mirror are you looking at? Are you staring simply into Scripture, or are you staring into the eyes of the living God, right? Because what happened last week was a prophecy about Ashley staring into the eyes of Jesus. That mirror transformed her so powerfully that there was a shift in the room. It impacted people so supernaturally that Anna couldn't move her mouth, right? She couldn't, she couldn't, she couldn't move. But when she laid hands on people and said, receive the Holy Spirit, people were undone, right? People were undone. So what's the most important element of your Christian walk? Are you sensitive to that dove? Are you making sure that that dove is not caged in your life? Are you, are you, are you sensitive to the point where you actually allow the dove to come out without a chain and you let that dove... You know, can you imagine the dove transforming into an eagle, picking you up and moving you to another city because he spoke to you? And then that dove literally um, flaps its wings and you can see differently because what you thought was a clear view actually had the hand of an evil thing, an opaque view of the world gets blown off of you because the, the, the eagle is flying, the, the prophetic view of, of your life. And there's just this progression I'm, I'm, I'm reveal, I'm, I want you to grab hold of the progression of your personal walk with the Lord that, is, that has to be so sensitive to the, to the dove. Say this with me. In, in the name of Jesus, I ask for a vision. Show me, Lord, in every way that I've limited you, that I've caged the dove, or chain the dove in my life. Convict me. I want the wind to blow. That I would be transfigured by your voice. In the name of Jesus. You know, when Ezekiel was taken in a vision to the valley of dry bones, he looks into the, into the graveyard, and the Lord says, Son of man, what do you see? And he's, he's commanded to prophesy the vision of the bones coming together and flesh coming on them. But you know, the Lord didn't stop there. The next thing the Lord says was, prophesy to the wind. And this is where your heart comes in, guys. This is where your heart comes in. Because just because you have a vision doesn't mean there's complete transfiguration until your heart is connected to, to the vision. Okay, so so Ezekiel is in the vision is is speaking into the graveyard and the bones suddenly appear. They have flesh on them. And the Lord says, prophesy to the wind. And Ezekiel says, wind of heaven, 
I'm summarizing for you. Wind of heaven, blow wind of God. We need you to blow. We need life to come in. We need the wind of God to literally make this army. And suddenly what was just flesh on bones suddenly becomes supernatural and this army begins to flow all because of a revelation of the wind. It wasn't about just the army or or the awakening of an army. It was about the heart cry, the connection that I need the wind, we need the wind, we need the wind to blow in this church, we need the wind to blow in our home, we need the wind to blow on Pete, hit Pete like 10 times, make Pete supernatural, let the wind blow so hard on Pete that, the, that it blows his hair off his head. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray for the wind. Lord, we need the wind. Wind of heaven, I need you to blow. I command you to blow. Oh my gosh, I'm getting a revelation. I'm getting a revelation. I'm getting a revelation that I am commanding the wind to blow. Say it with me. Say, Holy Ghost, blow in this place. Let the wind of God flow freely. Flow into this army, Lord. Awaken them. them. Put life in them. them. That they would go to the nations. That they would go to the east. The north. The the west. And the south. Blow wind of God. Cause this army to prophesy the vision of the Lord. That whole rooms of people would begin to get intoxicated. That they would have to stand up and explain this is that. Say it with me. This is that. Come on, you got to practice because the wind is going to blow through you. This is that. Amen. Come on, say it with me, guys. Say, say, say make me an eagle. Make me an eagle. Make me an eagle. Make me an eagle. Make me an ox. Come on. Make make me a lion. Make me a lion. Come on. Make me the man, the pastor. Make me the man, the pastor. Amen. Come on. Make me. You never know exactly what you are until you cry out to the point where he answers you and he begins to speak building blocks into you. If you'd have told me 15 years ago that I would have been going to India for five years, that I'd be standing in front of thousands of people in in the middle of of India. That's crazy. Did you ever stand in front front of 10,000 people, Pete? Did did you ever feel the electricity of of the reality of something's going to come out of your mouth that's going to impact 10,000 people and see 5,000 of them come forward and start praying in the Holy Ghost? Come on, man, I'm painting you a picture because you have no idea. If you haven't ascended the mountain and you haven't commanded that wind to blow in your life, if you haven't said, Lord, I am not leaving till you bless me. If, if you don't have the Jacob heart saying, I'm holding on to you. Even if you break my leg, I'm holding on to you. I'm not leaving till you bless me. I'm not leaving till your wind blows. I'm not leaving till you transform me and reveal to me what I am in Christ. Giant killers. You're giant killer. You're giant killer, Pete. But you you catch my drift, right? What would we look like in six months if you just ascended? Huh? (laughs) If you hung out with Jesus 
If you hung out with the presence of God, and he, what, what if he spoke to you every day for six months? What would you look like in six months? You'd probably, you'd probably come in with a glow on your face. You know, that happens. When a person gets transformed and they go back into a dead place, the dead place looks at them and says, what's wrong with you? And what you should be saying, if you're in the presence of the Lord, you should say, oh, I know what's wrong with you. You need some Holy Ghost. You, you need a little pro- prophetic word. You need a little impartation. You need something that's going to change you supernaturally. Right, Faith? Just, I mean, it's, it's like this heart cry. I need an impartation. I need change in the name of Jesus. I need to laugh a little bit, right? <laughs> Lord, we need an impartation. We need such an impartation. We need, Lord, something that we can't claim as a man that we did it. Right? That's America, man. Come on. That's America. We're self-made men. We're self-made. That's what, that's, that's what America is. You work harder. We came up with the lingo, right? Get her done. We do whatever we have to do. We do whatever we have to do. Get her done. You work the hardest, right? That's, how, that's the mentality you bring into the church. You work the hardest. Can I tell you this? The greatest Christian is the greatest receiver. The greatest Christian is not the greatest worker. The greatest Christian is the greatest one who sits in his presence and the voice. You, be, you literally learn to become voice-driven. He transfigures your life, and you then transfigure the people around you. Amen? Amen. Say this. Say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I, submit I submit my life to be voice-driven. No longer do I work work. trying to hide behind fig leaves leaves. and cover myself myself. in my own identity. identity. Holy Spirit, Spirit. identify me. me. Reveal to me what I really am. am. Build me up up. in my most holy emotion. Transfigure me. Transfigure me. I'm not leaving until you transfigure me. Amen. You know that a transfiguration is a supernatural thing, right? You can't transfigure yourself. You can be convicted that only the Holy Spirit can transfigure you, right? So if you were to answer the question right now out of conviction, Would you say, would you be able to confidently say, I'm being transfigured every day in my life? Or are you simply convicted? This is an an extremely important moment in your life. You may say, well, I've been to church for 10 years. Okay, what's the fruit of your life? Have you been transfigured and there's just a flow of the Holy Ghost out of your life? Or do you just periodically sit in a pew once in a while? Huh? Huh? Convicted? Transfigured. Paul was convicted. Paul killed Christians when he was convicted. Think about that. Paul killed Christians when he was convicted by the mirror of what is written. It wasn't until he was transfigured by the one out of heaven that he went into the world and shook it supernaturally. Amen? 
man, I woke up this morning and uh, I don't know, I just had this thing that I, I needed. I, I just felt like I needed, like, holy heck, Lord. <laughs> I just need intoxicated today, man. Do you, know, do you know how the Lord started to break me of conviction versus transformation? When I first got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was one of those guys that I went into, I learned how to, I learned from my pastor how to pray um, scriptures. And so I would wake up, get my coffee, run downstairs, and I would start repeating scriptures. About 30 minutes into repeating scriptures, I mean, Psalm 91, Psalm 23, all the awesome ones, right? You got the awesome ones? Yeah? So, so I'm sitting there with, with, with the Lord. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, under the shelter of the Almighty. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It was almost Hollywood, Pete. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the Lord literally stepped into my room and he says, You know what? Can we just laugh today? I was undone. What happened last week? It was the, be- it was the beginning of transfiguration in my life. The Lord, the Lord came into my room and I look, I look like Anna. I'm sitting there. I've got my next scripture ready because that's how I'm trained. I'm, I'm firing off the scriptures. I'm, I'm at war, baby. I'm bringing the scripture. And the Lord says, can we just laugh today? And the next thing you know, I start, I, I start to get woozy. I'm like, what is this? And the next thing you know, my heart, I start laughing. I, I get undone. Two minutes later, I'm laying on the floor. <laughs> oh my God, I can't stand up. I'm like, what is this? Why is the hair of my arm standing up? What, where, why are you, is this you? This is way out. I wasn't trained to pray like this. So I'm, I'm, I'm laying there and I get a hold of myself. I'm forcing myself to get a hold of myself. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. I was forcing myself to meet the perspective, the standard, the religious standard, right? And so, uh, you know, I was self, self-control. Thank, thanks, Maria. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to stop the move of God. And he comes, he come at me harder. And I start laughing. <laughs> Is this really you? You mean I can just laugh in your presence? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So for a week, for a week, he broke me. I come downstairs, get my coffee, got my scriptures ready again. Yesterday was an anomaly. Kind of like last week. Last week was just an anomaly, right? (laughs) Come down the next day, Praying the Holy Ghost a little bit, got my scriptures, start firing off the scriptures. The next thing I know, hot butter, baby. <laughs> Can't stand up. Come upstairs, look at Shelly. It happened to me again. He did it to me again. How can he do that? Day three, guess what happened? Same thing. You know what? You know, there's, there's actually a psychological study out there 
that says it takes seven days to break a habit and transform you, transfigure you into a new one. For seven straight days, I laughed hysterically in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It was the most amazing medicine I ever experienced in my life. Seven days later, I'm free. I'm literally laughing. Everywhere I look, I'm, la- I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, the IRS just sent me a $20,000 bill. <laughs> oh my God, $20,000. The Lord laughs at that. The Lord sits on his throne and laughs at the enemy in mockery. $20,000 IRS bill? (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Seriously, man. See, there is a divine nature. There is, a, there is a separation from a natural connection and a natural mindset to an expectation in the spirit. And the longer you listen to his voice and he builds you and imparts you, there's a transfiguration. There is an actual change that you become, your mind is set on the spirit instead of being set on the worldly problems and limitations. The, even the mirror you look at, what mirror do you look at? Come on, man. Are you looking upstairs? Come on. Let's practice. Let's, let's look. Jesus, I'm looking your way. Every problem in my life. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Amen. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Say, Jesus, you're my mirror. Baptize me today today. in the nature of heaven. heaven. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.